Hi, thank you for joining us today at the Carolyn Glasso Bailey Foundation. I am Lila Glasso Francis, president of the foundation, and today I'm happy to bring you a new live podcast with artist Lisa Schulte, also known as the Neon Queen, in conversation with Lisa Cassoni, co-director of the Porch Gallery here in Ojai, California. The exhibit is slyly titled Article 16, Selected Works by Lisa Schulte, referring to the Ojai City Ordinance that prohibits neon signs, with the exception of two square foot open neon signs allowed for commercial businesses. The show opens in Ojai August 31st and runs through October 8th. Lisa Schulte is considered one of the foremost and few artists who specialize in the neon medium. She's known for the warm, expressive pieces that blend in and around organic materials. There is a message to the medium that Lisa Schulte uses. Schulte's ability to marry such diverse materials is particularly important at a time when the division defines our relationships. Please check out her show if you get a chance and sit back now and enjoy this wonderful conversation between artist and gallery director and the innovative work of pairing natural materials and neon. I'm Lisa Cassoni, co-director at the Porch Gallery in Ojai, California, here today with um, our artist Lisa Schulte and her current show titled Article 16. The show is up through October 8th and happy to have you in Ojai and your work. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love Ojai. So we're here at the, at the Carolyn Glasso Bailey Foundation. Did you ever meet Carolyn? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes, I, I met Carolyn and Chris at a lovely dinner, uh, I think at your first house up here. Yeah. Um, and immediately was taken back by the amount of art that was all over the house. So um, Carolyn was so wonderful, uh, took me on a private tour and explained every single piece of art that was in the house and where she had gotten it and what the background story was on it and the you know the display of food was a piece of art in itself that was there that day and I you know I felt very special to be included um, at your house that that day and to have spent time with your family and uh, super, um, you know, I'm sorry what happened but I love this what you guys are doing is there a, a Huell Hauser story in there somewhere? Too? Yes, there's a little bit of a Huell Hauser story in there. Uh, Chris was definitely a fan of Huell Hauser, and they got wind that Huell was paying a visit to my studio. And so I got a little phone call begging me if Chris could attend while Huell was there to make his day. And so Chris popped into my studio and got to meet Huell, and, which is also a wonderful thing because he's a great guy, and unfortunately he's not with us anymore, too, you know. That, that was a personal dream come true for me. Yeah, yeah no, that's... <laughs> Congratulations. I wrote him a letter once. Oh, no. I could be an intern, and he never responded uh, to it, but I did get to go. Oh, good. Yeah, wonderful guy. And, you know, I always wanted his job, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I mean, the dream job. I mean, what a job. Yeah. So, uh, we'll get into it. The light and the eye have been consistent themes in your life. Can you take us back to why there was always something in the light that attracted and influenced you? Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think we've talked about this before about, um, 
you know, having an eye injury when I was about 10 and losing the sight in both my eyes for several months and living in total darkness with patches over, over both my eyes and not knowing if I was ever going to see again or was I going to have a, a brain tumor kind of blood clot going on. So, um, I, you know, I don't know if I was really conscious of the fact that I lived in darkness and how much light was going to play out in my life for, for the rest of my life at that time. But, you know, when you live in darkness and they take it off, it's like so painful when the light finally gets in there and then it's something that very quickly you realize that it's the only thing you can exist in. So, you know, I think unconsciously, subconsciously on a level, it definitely affected um, my direction in life. Started playing around with neon in my early 20s. There's something about that particular light form and source, you know, and the ability to bend it and shape it that just stuck with me for I've been doing it my whole life. At what point did you figure out that you were good at creating art? Wow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That, I mean, yeah, that's tough because. Um, I think I, you know, I had a, I had to learn. I, I didn't know anything about it, so I, I, the, I would say the first four or five years was a learning curve for me, and um, but an extremely exciting time. I mean, Erin's here, and she knows we all got lucky and got movies and working with the best of the best pretty quickly early on in my career. So um, I just sort of figured if I was getting hired by the likes of Barbara Lang and you know Steven Spielberg and Clint Eastwood that maybe I was doing something right so you know things started to happen earlier for me. And you've actually become a specialist for all things neon even to other mm -hmm. artists who want to work in the medium and seek out your mentorship. Mm -hmm. uh, you're actually known as the neon queen and a very well-deserved moniker. Thank you. Do, you. do you feel comfortable with that title? Um, well you know it's funny I didn't give it to myself, it was a it was a title that everybody when they'd come to my studio because I have a, a sort of over the top ten thousand pieces of neon uh, studio and it's very large. So you know when people would come over, they would always just address me as that. So you know I think at the beginning I was always like oh yeah you know sort of and then I don't know I hit fifty and they kept calling me that and I was like yeah bitch you're right. <laughs> I am the neon, you know what I mean? So I, it, you know, I kind of took it, but it did, it felt uncomfortable to me for a while, but uh, I guess not anymore because now I have it on my license plate on my car, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's mine. I don't, I don't want anybody else to have it now. I'm getting very protective of it, you know. Well, have you had to operate differently than your male counterparts, or uh, perhaps the question should be, do you even feel that you've had to operate differently? Well, uh, you know, at the beginning, I, you know, I was like the only female going into a man's world as far as sign shops, because that's where I had to get the glass manufactured before I took it on and studied it and started manufacturing in-house. Uh, but I, you know, I didn't really feel any of that because I was young. I was 24, and I was entering into, uh, you know, a place that all guys were there and I was this young thing doing like battery operated centerpieces and you know creative things I wasn't coming in there like can you make this sign for me so I, you know honestly I haven't 
I've never really felt it. Um, I, I can't say it's ever really been a problem for me as far as going. It, it's been a man's world for sure that I've that I've, I've stepped into, but I've I feel I've been pretty much welcomed into it. Well, can you talk a little bit about what it is that drives you to do your artwork, um, particularly since you've achieved critical success in your business? Well, now that I'm having shows, it's totally different than what I did probably for the first 20 years of my, my life with me. That was a, a commercial sort of business. Um, and again, not doing signs. That's not anything that I've ever done for people's buildings, so I've never been part of that world. But um, you know, you finally are doing and you feel confident to do your what you want to do. And, you know, that's can be pretty scary because you've been working with people sort of as a team and them telling you, like, this is where we're going and this is what we want. And, you know, you get a lot of suggestions and hints and, you know, the, I've, I've been so lucky to work with, like, such creative people and then all of a sudden for them not to be part of this equation of we're building a set, we're doing a movie, we're doing, you know, it's just me, I think, I felt like there was uh, an enormous amount of pressure that I put on myself that I really needed to, you know, push it super far and I don't know if, I think I was um, letting my ego drive my art and that was getting in the way to be honest with you and, and I think the last couple of years I've, I've just trusted me and I've trusted what's inside of me and I think the best work is when you're not worried about anybody or anything and you're just making it for yourself and you put it out there and you just really hope that the world likes it and I think you know I think it took me a while to become an artist to be honest with you I don't think it's anything you wake up and I'm going to be an artist because there's you know there's a lot of self-doubt and, you know, especially when you have shows and you're showing up and, you know, are people going to show up to your show? You know, there's all these kind of things that kind of run through your mind and what if three people show up and what if ten people, you know, I mean, so you have to just start trusting the process, as my sister would say, and, and you know, if ten people show up and ten people show up, if, you know, I mean, so, and trust yourself, really, and again, I, I think the background that I had has been super helpful for where I am today, and I would never um, want to, you know, I, there's a bit of commercial artist in me, for sure. I do collaborations with, you know, big companies, and, you know, so there's still that ingrained in me, for sure. Have you ever felt the need to seek out other women artists, either for camaraderie or support and inspiration? Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we love women, so, you know, whether that may be in the art form or, um, but I have so many women friends in, um, in the art world. Very few doing what I'm doing, but I am starting to uh, mentor a few young women trying to get in and break into the neon world, and, you know, it's interesting, I'm in my 60s now, so. You know, I was never asked that before, and now you know I'm starting to get asked that by younger, younger women, and that they do sort of look up at the path that I, I started and what I've done with it, and and it's 
I'm doing it, mentoring two people right now, and it's really good for me, and it's really good for them because I, I'm sort of like a sponsor to them in some ways. I, you know, like I'll get off the phone and say we're going to talk Monday, and I want to know that you cleaned your garage out and you set those fires up, you know, and so you know it, it keeps me on top of being very real that. I had a gift and I've had a great life with it and I really want to share it and continue not to let this be a dying art because it, it, you know, it teeters on a dying art. It's not, um, you know, I don't know how many neon artists you've met, but it's like people will not see me for 15 years and they'll be like, are you still doing that? Like neon like making open sign you know what i mean like you know so it's not like you meet neon artists all the time so um i'd like to see a lot more and there are a lot coming up in the world and it you know just takes time like any art form to master and stay around too yeah stay around well your your work is not only beautiful in how you've merged the elements of nature and including things like grapevines and recycled, recycled woods from old barns and palm husks that mm -hmm. are in the gallery with white neon, but also technically really difficult to achieve. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the process mm -hmm. of creating some of the pieces? Yeah. Well, the, those are definitely some of the hardest pieces because you don't really have a set image in your mind what you're going to do with it. So it's sort of like what does a, a sculptor do with a huge rock, you know, to stare at it? for quite some time, I, they, they don't really know what to do with it. And I really feel with the, the wood pieces, I mean, Aaron knew me when I had a beach house in Oxnard for 10 years, and a lot of that started during that period of, um, you know, finding, and for years, really walking over and not really looking at the piece of wood that I was either going to walk on or walk over, and then something struck me one day to start looking at it and bringing it back and letting it dry out, sanding it, and, you know, you sit with it and you, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's very simple, but it's very complicated work because you don't, it has to speak to you. You can't really speak to that piece of wood. It really has to. And then to make that kind of neon, you may, to make one piece of a three-dimensional it could take 20 to get it exactly right because you can't bend it on the wood. So it's, it's a lot of uh, bending in the air, which is not usual for neon. Neon is usually bent on a table, not a pattern. So I think what's involved in that entire show, to be honest with you, is a lot of that kind of uh, freeform, three-dimensional, make 20 to get one right you know, kind of work. And I think that's what makes that very special. Is there one piece in the show, I think there's one in the back room that you and I talked about a little bit, that it is so subtle and you can't see it till you get up on it, but uh, you want to talk a little bit about that piece? The Untitled Ape. Untitled Number Ape. The small one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a simple one, but the neon itself was, again, one of those very complicated, uh, you know, trying to push the limits with the glass and see how, how far you can stretch, stretch it. It's, you know, it's such a fragile art that you know, you don't have much time with it. When it's in the fire and you get it to the table, you may have, I would say, three or four seconds. It's not like blowing glass. Like, it's a totally different glass. It's, it's a very soft glass. It heats up very quickly, and then you get one chance to make that bend. So on that particular piece, 
What was interesting on that was just to, I actually took tweezers and just started pulling the glass as it was hot to sort of make like these spikes on it. And again, that took maybe 20 pieces because each time if I pulled it too hard, I put a hole in it. And as you know, I can't have any holes in my glass because I then have to fill it with gases and um, I have to create a vacuum inside the tube and fill it with the gas. So it's a very scientific process that goes on after the glass is bent. And if, if it's not, you know, if it's weak in any departments, it will fall apart in that high possibly, you know, I put 450 degrees of heat on that tube. So, you know, you have a lot of breakage and trials and tribute, you know, and again, that was also a three-dimensional spiral. So again, a dimensional piece, so. It's just beautiful. The other pieces in the show, in fact, every piece in the show, also each of them have dimmers on them. Can you talk a little bit why you did that and how complicated that is? Well, it's just a must in my world, you know. I, I mean, I know a lot of people don't ever think about that, but I think, you know, starting in the film business and television business, that's uh, that was always a, you know, I remember camera people and DPs and, you know, it's the first thing, like, can you dim it down? So I think early on, and plus for me, I, it's bright. Like, you know, personally, there isn't a light in my house that doesn't have a dimmer on it. You know, there's Did just... Did you work out the one in the living room? No, and I had an electrician uh -oh. come over. <laughs> he says it's not dimmable, but, um, but yes, so dimming is, you know, I mean, lighting is so important. I mean, you can really change people's moods and feelings. I mean, you have a lot of power when you work with light. I mean, you really do. You can take somebody down a dark, seedy alley with it, or you can take them to the future with it, or you can take them into a very sexy, surreal world. And, um, you know, it can be very seductive. Like there's, there's so much power. And then combined with, you know, I'm a line artist, basically. Everything I do starts with a line. And it's, you know, it's a straight line. That's how it begins. So I think the combination of a straight line and light and bending it is, um, you know, and it's fun to take people on journeys with light. And I think in this show, because of the choice of all white lighting, um, I think, you know, when you go there tonight, you're going to, you, you know, it's a different feeling. It's not hot pinks and turquoises, and that would create a whole different other feel going on in that room, so. Well, I want to talk about some collaborations in a minute, but I want to just share with you a really quick story. Uh, there's a gentleman in Ojai named Jeff Mann who emailed me just a few hours ago. You don't know this. Yeah. And he, um, he was a creature and model maker for George Lucas for 30 years, and he happens to live in Ojai. And he sent me an email appreciating what you're doing and can't wait to come to the opening oh, tonight. Wow. And sent me a, a, a series of photos of Neon that he worked on on the Star Wars no movies. So he's it. a huge fan of yours. Yeah, really interested. <laughs> you might have worked with him. But um, that speaks a little bit mm. to the creative um, nature of Ohi and the people that live here. And so yeah, I want to just talk a little bit about the title of the show, Article 16. Yeah. And um, how I want to just mention that this whole title came about because of something that I was, this is one of these really weird little things, but I was aware of a, an ordinance in Ojai, a no neon ordinance in Ojai. So I shared with, uh, with Lisa whether we, we thought that would be a good title. Um, and part of that ordinance is, is something called Article 16. So we are playing with the notion mm -hmm. of a town 
that doesn't allow neon. So how, how do you feel about that? I, 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 I love it. When you, when you had mentioned that, I was like, yeah, you go girl. Um, let's, uh, let's rock that little town for sure. Like, you know, like I, I just thought it was brilliant that you did that. And I'm, you know, I mean, there's a part of me, I understand why, I mean, I, it's why I don't do signs for people. That's just not what I do because every little town does have these article 16s or, and then they have a committee that it's a whole deal to try to get a sign made and um, there's a lot of definitely a lot of garbage on the planet um, so uh, I appreciate the fact that you all want to keep it sort of the way it's been here but I mean what's horrible about it is you do allow the most ugliest sign which is like a big ugly open LED sign like that I see everywhere because that's the only thing that's allowed and like that's almost not even necessary to have an open sign here. Like you're, you know, I mean, you're, you know what I mean? Like it just seems like an odd thing. Like so, I mean, I'd love to see it change a little bit and have a committee that maybe would let let some people get a little creative and you know, like have creative people on the board, like Aaron or something. <laughs> you know, that would be like, like that would be like, no, that's not happening. You know, like somebody, you know, people that have really good eyes and. Backward. You know, you could use lighting in so many ways. You don't have to look at it, but you know, I hope to show and change some thinking about. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we're not going to change much with this. The people that are on the, the sign committee, I guess. I don't know who these people are, but um, hopefully they'll come. They I think that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, too, no, that I, this, there was sort of opening. You know, I told you to lead the show on 24/7 because I I felt like maybe we would really rock the boat a little bit and try to you know almost get attention with the show because maybe they'd be like demanding you turn it off or it's not allowed or which I don't think they could have successfully done it in the amount of time the show's up for I think it would have taken a while for them to, to shut you down but I mean we're just opening so maybe this is yet to come I don't know like I don't know what to expect but well it's certainly one of those things that I'm encouraging everybody to drive by it at night because you can see it from one corner of the street and halfway down the other and it's absolutely beautiful because yeah. it is not signage it is amazing art, and um, I'm yeah. really excited that you're here. And just lastly, I wanted to just ask you about some of the, your recent collaborations um, oh, yeah. and how much fun that's been. Oh, I've been following yeah. along, and it's, totally. you can just talk about some of those, um, including maybe the Karma Automotive yeah, folks. And, no, uh, we're no. going to have a, a video with a, uh, some photographs and slideshows of one of um, your collaborative mm -hmm. efforts this year. Can you just share with that? Sure, what that's yeah, about? absolutely. Um, I've been having, uh, I've, I, the first one I got was about a year ago with a, a brand new car company called Karma Automotive and their car is just, I mean, it's just so sexy. I, I, they actually gave me one to bring here, so it's gonna be at the show tonight. Um, they came to me and you know, their car wasn't going to be launched for quite some time, but they wanted to sort of get some momentum on social media about the company and who they were and how creative they were. So they decided to align themselves uh, right out the gate with an artist. And so they came to me, and they didn't want a neon car. They definitely did not want that, and um, nor did I want to give them that either. So. Um, you know, I had an idea. I've been collecting all these leaves from my palm trees in my backyard for a couple of years. And after I saw their car, because they, I was, you know, taken to the plant to see what this car was about, so I can get a feel for it. I made a mock-up, pretty big size, full-scale mock-up of what I was going to do, um, 
but rough. And then, you know, I was pretty nervous because I, you know, the designer of the car. These are big people, you know. This is this is you know billion dollar car company people, and um, he came and I I was so surprised that he was like I love this direction you're going, and um, then it was trying to find the perfect leaf because as you know I don't shape those leaves, they're that's the way they are. They're God given gifts from the trees and. There's no bending or shaping to it, and you know it. You know it was up and down through the process because I, I, I was trying the best I could to get the feel of the car using the leaves, um, and obviously, um, you know, through that, they needed to understand my process, which was this is, this is an organic material. It's not. I'm not molding a piece of plexiglass like you do for your car or carve, you know, a piece of clay. So. It was a, I, you know, it was a tough process for me, but I think it really pushed me. And I have to tell you, I, they take that car, my car, which is um, called the Undefined Spirit, along with them wherever they do. They support art all the time, um, so they bring the real car, and then they bring my sculpture along, and it, it's just wonderful to keep seeing this sculpture that's ten feet. I mean, it's you know, it's not a small one. And, uh, show up, you know, Pebble Beach and, you know, all these great places, Malibu, I had it down in the museum in, in La Jolla, and so I've gotten some very good opportunities uh, with that sculpture, and then I've done some great collaborations with some, you know, um, I want to say street artists, you know, lately I'm working with Cleon Peterson, I've worked with Gregory Siff, I've worked with Risk, and those boys are so much fun to work with because they, they're used to collaboration. They just, you know, they go out and years ago they would go tagging together. It wasn't usually a sport that they would go out and do by themselves. They'd usually, you know, be together, several of them. And then they just also admire each other's work. They don't, you know, they, everybody has their own style. So I've been working with, lately, you know, a lot of those guys. And, they're just so wonderful to work with too. I mean, I'm trying to be respectful of their work, but they're also like, "Oh, you're the neon queen, do your thing," you know. So they kind of let me do what I what I do, and um, we've been having some really good success and having a museum show. Um, and then the latest one I just did is uh, on display at the Grand Central Market, uh, just opened two weeks ago, and it was with Bullet Whiskey and uh, illustrator Brandon Donnelly. And it's 50 feet by, 50 feet by, I don't know, 50 feet, it's 50 feet by 20 feet tall. And it's just all pieces of, you know, sort of fun um, play on Los Angeles, you know, neon fingers making the hand sign and, um, you know, a shark's mouth with a taco in it. It's just like a really playful piece, but on a very large scale. And that was an awesome experience. And I just love, Honestly, that they're trying, you know, these companies have to really establish a way to get their product known. And the way they're doing it now is they're aligning themselves with artists. And, they, and that's the story for them. And, you know, it promotes me as an artist, what I'm doing. I mean, I could never get the airplay or do, I mean, what they've done. I mean, ever, right, with, without their help. And um, they're super proud to to share that with me, and it's not really about that whiskey bottle, to be honest with you, but everybody is shooting that billboard 
I don't even know how many times a day, maybe thousands of times a day, and sharing it on Instagram and Facebook. And so it's a very smart way for them to get their product out using artists. And, you know, look, uh, I've had two of those so far, and I certainly would love some more of those. It's been amazing. I was on earlier on uh, Lisa's Instagram feed today, and there were some great shots of these young folks in front of the, yeah. the piece, and totally. it was just, they were having so much fun, yeah, and she's actually the neon queen on Instagram, so it's really fun to follow that as yeah, well, and your yeah. adventures, and it's, it's like a live uh, desk cam for me, I, you know, I can also check in to see how my, how it's, that piece is doing every morning by seeing who's just shot it. And like the other day, there was a little piece of out, so I was like, oh my God, we got to get that fixed right away, you know? So it's been, you know, so much fun just to see. It's a really playful piece, and again, that's what's great about Neon. You can go really sophisticated, really elegant, you can go really seedy, but you can also go really playful. And um, and again, you know, the alignment when I do collaborations has to be with, um, I have to be able to see it before we do it. And not everything and everybody is the right collaboration. Well, we're really excited that you are uh, actually spending the entire weekend in Ohio, oh, and too, you're going to meet man. some really fun, interesting people this yeah. whole entire weekend, and yeah. just really in, just delighted that you're here, and we're excited to um, show your amazing work. It's already getting a lot of just great buzz and awesome. just great feedback, and I just really appreciate that you took the time yeah, to not well, only um, you know, collaborate on this show with us, but to come to Ohio. Yeah, and well, it's you, really important. You, you, you know, your gallery, Porch Gallery, has been amazing. You, you, both of you are just a pleasure to work with and um, real fine appreciators of art. So, um, and the foundation here, which I sort of heard through the grapevine was happening, um, <laughs> and super proud to, to do it and to see Aaron, my dearest, and Chris, really, I mean, there's been, and I've had the most amazing food up here. This is like the new Napa Valley of food, I have to tell you. I, you're going to tell us what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I just had, like, the best pozole uh, at, uh, we went to La Puente. Yeah, it's, I'm getting some to go back to L.A. for sure. <laughs> and then we ate at the Ojai Spa, which was awesome. Um. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just like, you know, you're in the mountains and you just feel everything's organic <laughs> yeah. and good. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm away from Los Angeles and it's so quiet and we're staying in this amazing house and we have this gorgeous view. I mean, this weekend and they gave me that car and like, you know, like it's like, don't wake me up from this. This is, this is really great. That's what we like to hear about yeah. the artist experience in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> it's been wonderful, yes. Thank I'm you. wondering if anyone has any questions for Lisa um, to end the podcast. Yes? So I'm curious how you got into Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, it's a strange thing. Um, I was actually working um, for a designer in Los Angeles that was doing very large events and the Olympics were in town. And I was sort of thrown into being in charge of one very large one because he had one every single night at the Olympics, and they were for 3,000 people. Um, and I created one of Pacific Design Center, which is a very futuristic building, and it was outside on that patio, so everything had to be on a very large scale. And so I, I don't know, I sort of went with the Blade Runner theme that you know, the movie had just come out a few years ago, and 
you know, big towers of New York shooting out of it, and I decided that, well, somebody's got to be able to do this, and I came up with the idea, and I really thought there was a company that I could just go to and have this happen, and there wasn't. You know, I went to sign companies, and they were like, what are you talking about? Ten-foot towers with neon and battery-operated centerpieces. That's not legal. You can't do that. You have to, you know, I was just like hitting roadblocks, and I was like, well, that's impossible. Like, this is Hollywood, and it's not being done. And, and I didn't have a choice. I got thrown, I got thrown in there. I went back to the guy I was working for, and honestly, he was like, I don't want to hear this. Like, it's your idea. It's a great idea. Figure it out. So, you know, it was, a lot of it was a crash course. And when it was over, I was like, I had so much fun learning and playing with this light. And then I went and studied in Kansas. You know, at that time, that was a very few places where you could learn the art of neon bending. So I went back there, and, and then I started my company, Nights of Neon, and little by little, you know, two cents drew up together. And, you know, we got a little music video here, a little party here, and, you know, just, just having fun with it. And um, I'm just, that's all I've been doing. As I'm older, you know, I am, I'm getting up there now, I, I find that I, I definitely go to bed earlier and I get up early. And uh, my best time, to be honest with you, where I can think about and have alone time is between four and five and six. And I've, you know, I kind of get up and hit, I've been told recently to stop like emailing people and texting because they think I've been up all night long partying or something, you know, so I kind of now have to put it on pause, some of it, but I really love um, that that morning time. That's I feel like the, you know, I can wake up and start sketching. I sort of really have a lot that goes on when I'm sleeping that really I feel, if I pay attention to it, I think it's helping tell me to to do something in the morning, and so lots of doodling and stuff like that happens early in the morning for me. But um, I used to be a night person, so I can't say, but I think the morning's better for me at my age for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, now that you've uh, spent enough time working with me, and you've mastered the technical side of it, what do you see as your biggest challenge as an artist? Mm -hmm. Um, I think just, um, you know, I, I, you never really quite master it. I, I, I you know, I don't want to say that. I mean, there's, uh, I have so many people I look up to that work in the glass world. Um, yeah, I, I think if you ever think you mastered it, then I think you're in trouble, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't feel that at all. I feel like I'm just starting my art career 10 years ago, and I feel like I'm, I, I don't think I've mastered it yet. I, I mean, I think I mastered Knights of Neon, my company. I mean, I feel pretty confident about that. But um, you know, I deal in something so fragile, and it breaks. So when you deal with a material that is so fragile, and you can spend hours creating, and you know, it could break in one second. You know, I think it teaches you, I don't know, to just live in the moment, and like, shit happens, and. What are you gonna do? And like you know, you can't get stuck. You gotta move forward. 
going to try it again, you know, so it's not, it's not, it's, it's not that easy. I mean, I mean, my first thing I did when I got here was like, is anything broken? I mean, there's, you know, so I, I just think it keeps you on your toes all the time. I mean, somebody could back into it tonight and break the whole thing and it's like, oh, well, you know, like, I think it just keeps you alive and realizing, um, you know, how fragile I love it because it's so fragile what I do. I mean, I hate it sometimes, but I, I love that about it. Um, and I've, you know, I've broken it just handling it. So I think you just keep, I don't know, I'm having a really great time with it. So, you know, I think I, I think I'm going to take it some other directions, definitely in my sculptures, just feeling like they're becoming a little bit more playful. Right now, I, I think my life's a little bit more playful, but it does change. Like if I look back at my earlier work when I felt like I was very um, insecure and not confident, like the work shows it. It's very stiff. It's very cold. It's, you, you know what I mean? Like I, I think, I think the way the, the glass is going right now, I think it's a little bit more joyous um, going on in my life. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Okay. Question about your commercial mm -hmm. career and moving into your art career and how that is different for you. Do you think how did art is is different for you? Is it a different form of creativity for you that you put into your art? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, when somebody hires you to do something, you have a little bit more guidance, and you know, I feel pretty confident because I've been doing that for so long that it feels somewhat easier for me at this point in time in, uh, in my life. And the the other is, it's coming from you. It's all you. I mean, this is not about, are you going to like it? This is really about, I mean, my other, my day job with, I said, Mia, I am such, you know, I think you, we've reached such good success with it because I treat everything like a piece of art that goes out of here because Neon is a piece of art. I don't care if it's a sign or whatever, but I think what makes my company special is that I do treat it like that. And if it's not perfect, it's not going out the door and we're going to remake it, we're going to eat it. So, you know, I think having just that as a, you know, background um, has influenced just me personally that I, 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 I really want to go as far as I can with it and sort of surprise myself. I mean, I need to, I mean, surprising me more than anybody, to be honest with you. And then I, I've only been doing this my whole life, so it takes a lot, you know, for me to, to, to get that wow feeling for me. And I think that's when I know I have a piece that I get it, you know, I'm impressed with it. And I feel it build up from what I've just created then I'm ready to show it to you. I mean, that's, it's an intimate experience. It's, it's, it's so intimate to share that with everybody tonight. I mean, it's like an emotional experience sometimes, too, because you're really showing a lot of yourself. Whereas, you know, if you pay me to do something, I, you know, you're expecting me to do it, and I'm expecting you to make it happen for you. So there's a, there's a huge difference, and um, I've been enjoying that process much more right now. My question is about the neon itself. You and I have talked about this, but for folks coming in to see the show and throughout the, the ex exhibition. So 
it's obviously there is fragility in this, but how long does neon last, for example? If someone walked in and said, I really love that piece, how long is that going to last? Yeah. Well, um, the actual neon part can last for uh, hundreds of years if it's not broken. There's electrical components that can probably go out well before the neon itself will, but that's a... If it's processed right, it's a it's a vacuum, so left undisturbed can be, you know, 150 years. But the chances of that lasting, they have found, I have found tubes that are from, the, you know, early 1900s. Wow. And then I just go ahead and light them in there because they haven't been broken and they light. So the electrical is really the thing that will fail on that. Like they only give you a year on the, the transformer. But um, if it's properly processed, then that's really critical, is putting those gases in there and doing that right. If you do that wrong, it will not last. But if you do it right. Huh? Color in the gas. Color in the gas and the glass. If there's a phosphorus powder in the inside of the tube, so it's a combination. It's, like, it's sort of like mixing paints. Um, yeah, so if like, uh, that tube is white with a white phosphor, and then I go ahead and put uh, argon, a blue gas in it, to get white. But if I put a red gas, I get sort of a peachy color. You so, can see that on the piece over on the wall, two different yeah. colors of neon. Yeah, well that's uh, different temperatures of white, so in that show that I'm having the Forge Gallery, there's, uh, you know, I use a lot of different temperatures of white. Like I start with 2800 degrees and work my way up to 3500, 4500, sort of like when you buy your lights, you know, you have a choice of buying. Six, yeah, or 6,500 white. Like the higher up on the white spectrum you go, the bluer the light is. So, you know, the warmer glass, which is the word hope, is warm. And so, you know, depending on what it is and what the shape is and what the word is, you know, I sort of relate the temperature also of the color of white. And, you know, a lot of people want to know why white, you know, because most people think of neon as a lot of different colors, and I, I mean, I have that side to me too. And I, you know, I like to use colors, but I, I feel like I have a whole range of whites that I can create a whole bunch. I don't yeah. just use one white. Well, thank you, and I want to yeah. thank everyone for coming today.